I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Rugby Dungeon. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for leaving us reviews on iTunes. Massively appreciated. And thank you for giving us all of your support. Me, Tim and Phil will be attending the National, I think the Radio Awards or Audio Awards or something, uh, this week for Best Sport Show alongside uh, BBC Sport and Talk Sport. So we'll see how that goes on, on Thursday. But really, it's all because you guys share the podcast and leave those reviews and just allow us to do what we do down here, which we love doing so much. Today, I am joined by genuinely one of my favourite sharks. One of the guys in sale who will always be the first to come and say hello to you, ask you how you're doing, a genuinely really great bloke. And... Not a bad try scorer either. So I'm not going to keep you waiting much longer. Here he is. I am here joined live in the dungeon with one of my personal favourite cell sharks, Byron McGuigan. How are you, mate? Very well, thank you. Good to be here. Uh, what do you think of the dungeon then? You're one of the few to actually make it down here. I was pretty impressed. Uh, I didn't expect this when I came in. The collection you got. Very, very nice. Very colourful. Yeah, missing an Namibia shirt and a Scotland shirt. Well, yeah. Hopefully, when I get one of those, I'll drop one off. <laughs> uh, which one? Which one are you looking for first? Uh, I have to say Scotland. You do have to say Scotland, don't you? And fingers crossed, it'll be sooner rather than later. Yeah, let's hope so. You know, got a squad announcement in about a week's time, so hopefully, I can squeeze in there. Are you quietly confident that something might might come about? Uh, no, I got that approach where I don't expect anything, so I'm not, so I don't get disappointed. To be honest, so. Mm. Uh, I'm just going to work hard and if the opportunity comes I'll be ready You've been playing well though I mean that that must kind of play on your mind a little bit after what, what have we got now four or five tries six six tries there you go in five games so you're going to you got to be thinking that in the, anyway, that's like Johnny May numbers yeah he's also I think he actually just scored on the weekend but I wasn't in the prem so I think he's sitting on six from six too uh, so. he might have seven from seven or six from six but the point is you've got a better ratio yeah, but I think his one was now in the Champions Cup, so it doesn't. It's not the same. That's like maybe a season tally, which is higher than mine. Yeah. What's just occurred this weekend? You weren't playing. Was that just a rotational thing? Um, I think other boys just um, needed a bit of game time, uh, a bit of rotation. It's good competition to to rotate, and you know then Steve can assess over this two week block what his strongest team could be going into Exeter. So. Yeah, uh, I won't be playing, yeah. Yeah, that's just for the game gone, though. That isn't for this game, well, the whole European campaign, if you like. No, no, you don't know that. You just know when the team's selected. So, obviously, I didn't play last weekend. Whether I'm playing this week or not, uh, we'll know tomorrow. Was there any part of you that was disappointed to miss a game with a team which is as large as Toulouse 
Or when you're a professional, do you just kind of get on with it and accept, you know, it's rotation, you've been rotated for the right reasons? Yeah, I think obviously disappointed because um, as a rugby player, you want to be playing rugby, but at the same mm. time, it's it's a long it's a long season and uh, that's why you've got a squad with depth because you, you need to rotate to to have that competition, Yeah. to feel fresh, especially for the big games. Well, there's no easy games really, but um, but just to rotate so that when the big games come, you have people to call on. So. Yeah, that's a great situation for Sale to be in and one they haven't been in for quite some time. Yes, absolutely. It's still a relatively small squad, but the the quality we have in the small squad is actually quite impressive. Um, so, yeah, not too bad. Just need a couple of these results to come our way now. You've got a pretty rich rugby history. You've been pretty much everywhere. You played, what, England, New Zealand, South Africa? Uh, Scotland. Scotland, of course. Yeah. So... When you see a team like Toulouse, what's your what are your thoughts on these big French teams and how they play? Um, to be honest, it's uh, it's different now to what it was when I was uh, maybe 21, 22, you know, mm. when I came across it, Toulon and uh, Cast and all these big name players. I was quite in awe because where I came from in South Africa, I was actually one of two. There's a guy called Damien Dielender. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, both of us are the only two from our school that's made it professional. Is that right? So so not many people have the privilege to from our school to go and make it further. Mm. So I was a bit um well you call it stage fright really. Yeah. But now I've I've played against so many good players and um I feel like over the years I've still developed. So when I play against these teams I'm not really spooked anymore or mm. I don't really get that stage fright. I just get excited and, and want to get the win really against these teams. What do you think about the way the French teams play then? Do you like the philosophy behind it or do you prefer the Premiership or the Pro 12 style, Pro 14 style, sorry? Definitely the Pro 14 and the um, English style. I, li- I like a structured game. I don't like uh, individuals, mm. too many individuals in the team because sometimes they can be a bit poisonous in my opinion. If I was a coach, I wouldn't want that. I'd want to have a structure in place yeah. that uh, I can look back on when things don't go well. I can yeah. at least look and be like, okay, this is what went wrong. That's really interesting. We were talking about this yesterday on Egg Chasers, and the point we made, or well, point I made at least, is that if you have a player that's too talented, like just too skillful or has too much flair, it can actually damage the team because you don't know how to plan around around that individual. Yeah, but at the same time, if he's coachable, he'll be able to fit into your, your game plan. Yeah. So if he can fit into your game plan, as well as be skillful and, and have that moment of brilliance, then it's actually a huge benefit. But when you have maybe like five or six of these talented players trying to outdo each other all the time and not yeah. sticking to a team structure, I think sometimes that can be a little bit poisonous. You you mean almost like you've got to have only a few of them rather than a whole team? Yeah, I think sometimes that's what you find in the French teams. You've got maybe five or six stars in a team and then there's just too much offloading and drop balls and chip kicks and you know where sometimes you just need to go through your your pattern your structure that you coached mm. and then that's how you you break down defenses that's how you get your overlaps and score tries do you think then there's any validity in the criticism people well specifically they used to do it anyway is talk about how the northern hemisphere has too much structure and is a bit too much rugby by numbers so we don't have as skillful of players no, I don't think so. I think the All Blacks also have a game plan. They're the greatest team in the world, but at the same time, they they play what they see. Mm. So there's a space, or wherever the space is, they try and get the ball there, you know. And then they manipulate that space, probably the best in the world at the moment. But um, for me, I I think a smart rugby player goes a long way. 
mm. someone who who can outsmart another team one team that can outsmart another team and uh sticks to the patterns but at the same times if there is an opportunity to maybe run it from your 22 do that don't have to just mm. kick it you have to be smart it's it's a bit of balance yeah now you're a man that actually doesn't just say this you you do get a chance to implement it so are these are sort of things that you're telling the boys at uh, sambach i try to yeah it's uh go on. A, a lot of them obviously amateur they come sometimes they can't make training so mm. it's it's hard to coach but at the same time mine and rob webber's um big deal this year that we're trying to make is just make them all better rugby players and yeah. smarter rugby players so that's the first process they're beginning to understand the structure now so slowly we're going to build it it's a process it just it won't happen overnight but that's the bigger picture how do you enjoy coaching love it do you yeah because you would i remember am i right in thinking you were looking at going down the ref route for a little while as well you're still thinking of that i, I just want to stay in rugby so whether it's refereeing um which i want to still pursue mm. um the coaching yeah um yeah i'm just going to try and stay in the game any way i can really i just can't really picture myself in uh in the office. So tell me, how do you go about making a group of amateur players better using your professional experience? Just making them like understand certain areas of the pitch, what kind of thoughts should be going through your head, you mm. know, especially there, you know, you could bring a lot of line speed, which causes a lot of pressure on teams where the skills probably won't be as high as your force knock-ons. Yeah. Numbers on the feet. Mm. So you have a bigger spacing across the field defensively. And just uh, when to kick, when to run, certain plays and how to manipulate, finding mismatches, just trying to make them think all the time mm. is probably the, the biggest one for now. And do you find it hard? I mean, this is just my personal experience, but the biggest thing I find with amateur players is they don't talk. Yeah. We have a few few boys that don't mind talking, but it, I think that's a problem. Sometimes even in a professional team, some people just don't have the confidence to talk. Yeah. But uh, we really try and encourage it and um, the way we've detailed a lot of our defence and our attack work forces them to, to talk mm. because we can hold them accountable if they don't stick to it because there's a pattern or a certain way things need to be done. So if it's not, we look back at the video, if, they're not, if it's not done, we can ask questions. Yeah. Not in a bad way. You just try and help them along. Interesting you mentioned that because I think the whole, the whole point of talking really is actually the accountability. So if you say you're going to get that guy, go get that guy. Yeah, absolutely. And if you miss that tackle, you're not going to get shouted at, really. Mm. It's obviously disappointing. It's still amateur level. But at the same time, at least we know the chat's there. Yeah. Execution can come, we can work. Oh, yeah. And at least you know what decision they've made rather than not knowing anything at all. Exactly, yeah. Now, you're with Webbs, aren't you, as a coach? He does, I assume, forwards and stuff. What's he like as a coach? How are you two getting on? Yeah, well jokingly around the club we say he's the Hitler <laughs> and I'm the soft one Yeah, but uh, I have my moments um, I think he, he's coached before so he does a lot of the talking team talks gets him motivated um, and myself I like to just try and be a little calmer and give some detail I mainly take the defence he takes the attack oh really yeah so, I mean you obviously split it between backs and forwards as well yeah Yes, so I'll take the back strikes and then I'll do the team defence. He'll do like the, the ruck defence with the forwards and line-outs mm. and then just do the team attack. We, we, but we kind of bounce off each other. He'll yeah. give his input, I'll give my input both on attack and defence. And do you think you share the same sort of philosophy as to how he wants to play your rugby? Yeah, we all, he's quite easy, I'm quite easy. So whatever ideas he has, we'll have a chat about it, probably agree on mm. it. Um, 
and the same same with myself. Quite often we we actually using a lot of sales plays and patterns yeah. down at Sandbatch, um, just so we don't get confused with too many different calls. Yes, yeah, so that, that so, is a good point. So it's easy easy enough. Yeah, you said you were taking stuff from sale. Are you, you were taking much inspiration from Paul Deacon? Because every time I get on sale, I always enjoy watching him teach the details of the lines of running and that sort of thing. Yeah, well, like I said, we do use a lot of the sales stuff. So, um, yeah, I think that speaks for itself. You know, if you, if you can run those patterns well, you, um, you find yourself into in, in a lot of space and potentially try scoring opportunities. It's just at this level, you just really got to make sure you hold on the ball and not get too carried away. Yeah, I mean, you wouldn't like to drop the ball over, um, over the try line, for instance, would you? Yeah, absolutely not. You don't want to be doing <laughs> that. <laughs> yeah. But joking aside, you are a top try scorer at sale, so that must have come up as a bit of banter, unless maybe it's a bit early for that, to be fair. Um, no, not really. I think maybe one or two of my mates uh, just have a little comment saying, yeah, you're playing well, and it's obviously good, but at the same time, it's a team effort, really. Mm. Quite a few of those tries have been like, Fuff's kick, uh, Ben Curry's crossfield kick. Yeah. Um, two on one. I was going to say, actually, uh, I can't remember watching a scrum half have such a good short range kicking game. It's a, yeah, it's a, it's a great skill that Fuff actually has, you know. Yeah. And his actual vision, um, his ability to listen on the field last minute when we're calling these plays. Because remember, he's getting calls from 10s, potentially forwards on the other side of the ruck that try scored in the, down the middle. Mm. And then I came last minute screaming that the opportunity is over the top. So for him to listen, have a look and pick out the right option is it's some talent. Yeah, it's quite something. I mean, I think we all knew he was going to be good, but I'm actually surprised exactly how good he is. Well, yeah, I was, I was actually the same as you. I expected him to be good, but I didn't think he'd be as good as he is. So... It's re- it's really good to to play with a guy like that, and uh, yeah, he brings energy. He's full yeah. of energy. Yeah, like his favourite saying is "hundred <laughs> percent," and that's just how he lives life. Everything's hundred um, percent, and and I think that's really good, really exciting. Makes makes for an exciting watch. You know what? I honestly don't think I've seen a scrum half be able to utilise those short kicks so well. I mean, Danny Kerr did so in the Harlequins game. In fact, probably got the better of half, but. It's so unusual. He kind of turns his back and then kicks the ball over the top of the ruck. Yeah, I think um, Danny must take credit for the try on the weekend too. Mm. Uh, myself um, and a few other options ways kicked over there because we actually coach it. Paul Deacon's another one who needs to take a lot of credit for it because he does his analysis and uh, shows that which teams leave space in the backfield yeah. when those opportunities present themselves. We then go during the week, we practice it, and then um, in the game it's up to the wingers to identify the space, like That's I said. Right. Yeah. So what we do, we actually train it during the week while Deeks brings it up in a video session. We'll then train it during the week and then Fife has to make the right decision. So it's a combination of all of them, but you need that that kick. It's also just as good as the chase. Mm. And we... We'd probably still see it in a game, but we needed Deeks to like point it out. So it's a real team effort. Yeah. So as a winger, then, are you trying to patrol almost behind the ruck, w- waiting for that opportunity? Yes. When 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 we get told, mm. all right, look look for these kicks because this is what they're doing in the backfield. Then you'll find us sniffing a lot more. Yeah. We'll be looking. But at the same time, we also support the space. Is what the term we use. So we'll stay wide. Right. For for an attacking kick. And we'll just see as wingers we'll see in the backfield where the fullback is, where the wing is, if there's space, if there's only one in the backfield, if there's two when opportunities arise. Then we feed that message and that's when we go looking for the ball off fuff and mm. things like that. 
Oh, awesome. Yeah, the other thing I like, and I think it came from Northampton originally, but is the scrum half moving out one, the winger going into scrum half, and then the scrum half playing it back inside to the winger. Yeah, I thought that was an excellent play. I didn't even see it myself. Um, and they did it in the game and executed it, you know. And, uh, yeah, I think I think it was an excellent move. Something that should be used a lot more. Yeah, it's so basic as well. I don't know why it works. It just, for some reason, it does. Did you see, did you watch the Saracens game the weekend? Uh, yeah, I, they were magnificent. Did you see that uh, try they scored at that scrum, right-hand scrum? I think it was Zolski that scored. Yes, yes, yes. That looked like the most simple move. I thought it was probably the most effective I'm like damn I did not think of that well do you know if you watch Saracens everything they do is simple it's just really good I think they just got such good detail in it and yeah. everyone just does their roles like there's a load of talent there's a good example you were speaking about it earlier but there's loads of talent in that team but they play in their structures and their game plan that they're given yeah do their roles and that's why they're such a great team yeah because if you watch them they fundamentally only have one or one or two patterns maximum and you know what they are it's um brad barrett coming in hard and then maybe something out the back you know but it works brilliantly because they all stick to it and the timing's right and they've just done it a thousand times before it's like muscle memory yeah they're so good at just doing they have one way of playing they're so good at doing it and they're like try and stop this mm. you know and teams just struggle to do that yeah, I think as well, the simplicity of the system just allows those players to develop a, a bit more. I mean, I can't think of anything worse than the coach just you know, overcomplicating things for the sake of it. For me personally, I just I just feel like I want to keep learning. I don't feel like I've I've conquered anything in rugby, like whether it's uh, my counter-attack or kicking or tackling or whatever. I just feel like every day my mindset is when I come in, I just want to keep learning. Mm. I'm never too old to learn kind of attitude, and I think that's probably worked pretty well for me in the past and something that I'll probably just keep using. How much do you pick up from other teams then when you're looking around for these extra details or extra improvements? I watch, to be honest, I watch only New Zealand teams. I don't really, really watch South Africa much. Um, I just like because they're probably, the, for my position, especially winger, Yeah, they probably have the best wingers that's ever come out of uh, the rugby. You know, you've got your Joe Rocket who's probably one of my idols. I yeah. think he's outstanding. Savivatu was class. Um, and now you've got class wingers at Waisaki Naholo, Ben Smith's another one. These guys I love watching because they play my position. They're yeah. probably the best in the world. So I like to just try get ideas off them and try and replicate it. Yeah, to be fair, they've got a pretty rich history when it comes to wingers. Uh, do you class Rico, Rico Ioni in that group? Um, I do think he's, he's awesome, to be fair. And I think he deserves his, his shot. Um, and yeah, he's very, very exciting. There's not much I could fault him on. I think he's a very good player. But uh, I have to say my all-time favourite is Joe Rockethurka. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I, I think it's amazing, you know, that he kind of re-emerged at wrestling. I thought he'd retired, and then all of a sudden he's scoring tries in the Heineken Cup again. I know, he's classed it. I think it was at the same time that you talking, I was thinking, where's he gone? Then he appeared in a Barbaros game. Yeah. And he was unreal. Yeah, well, do you remember he was dropped from um, the Lions? So when the Lions went to New Zealand, he was in, like, in his pomp. Not this time round. God, that's 12 years ago. Yeah. God, yeah. So he was like, he was really doing well then. And he was dropped from the dropped from the New Zealand squad, was sent out to play sevens. So he's been around a long time. He's been doing very good things for a long time. Okay, then. So who are the guys that you rate in the Premiership as uh, um, opposition wingers? Do you know, Chris Ashton, I thought, was a really good winger. I really liked. He was quite physical, very yeah. competitive. Always managed to find the line. I thought when he played last year, he was great. Um Denny's always got a way of finding the line, which is which is really good. Um, I, th I really rate Jack 
Jack Knoll. I think really? he's got yeah, he's just got um a way of beating defenders. He's got really high work rate. Mm. Um very smart rugby player. James Short. Yes. He's a fantastic player. Um I'm trying to think who else I would say trying to think any anyone you can think at the moment um johnny may johnny may has been fantastic he's playing very well to me he's playing he's very raw though do you know what i mean like when you watch him play he he's all about his just breakneck speed uh, whereas i think someone like like the guys you mentioned Ash, um, ashton's all about timing and spotting the opportunity he's very smart but Noel, he's a bit different because i think he gets his opportunities through hard work and if you try enough time something will eventually happen Exactly. This is the thing. I feel like work rate is such a big thing in in rugby. Mm. If you can support every line break, you're likely to get the last pass. That's the kind of player Jack Noll is. Yeah. He supports every break. He's always looking for the ball. The more opportunity he has that ball in his hands, the more opportunity he has to score. There's no point anymore as a winger just standing on your wing, mm. touching the ball five times in the game. Just get your hands on ball. You, you're meant to be quick. You're meant to be quite agile. Support any breaks. That's, that, that's what I try and do but at the same time you can't be doing that and the ball's going wide and there's no wing there so it's a bit of balance and I think Jack Knoll's got that spot on Going back to James Short though I'm always amazed he doesn't get more game time every time he plays he seems to be scoring a hat-trick or at least a brace He's fantastic I thought I think it was my last season extra I thought geez, this guy must be knocking on England's door and yeah. then but I mean they've got Ollie Woodburn he's fantastic he's he great good, under yeah. the high ball you've got Jack Knoll so, so it's tough um yeah, it's funny. I think Ollie Woodburn's another one. I think he should be knocking on England's door somehow. Yeah, do you know, I think he might have missed his opportunity a little bit because Exeter played, who did they play the other week? And they, and they did they lose or they didn't do too well? Was it Leicester? Yes. I think they lost against Leicester. And I thought it would be a great opportunity for Ollie Woodburn because not only had he been scoring, he'd also been defending really well. And I thought if he could put in a real good performance against Johnny May defensively, that might see him through. Could have been, yeah. Yeah, Johnny May's playing well. You've yeah. got Anthony Watson, you've got Marlon George, who's actually on great, in great yeah, form at actually. the moment. Um, and Jack Knoll, I mentioned him. So there's quite a few good England wingers at the moment. So, And Eddie Jones seems to have a winning recipe, so you can't question him. Yeah, that's very true. But, in fairness, the only wingers we are bothered about at the moment are the Scottish wingers. <laughs> yeah, we are. Now, obviously, you don't sound Scottish. So where did you grow up? Was it South Africa or was it Namibia? I, was, I grew up, so I was born in Namibia. Okay. But when I was six months old, my parents and myself took me to Cape Town. And I was raised in Cape Town until pretty much I left to Glasgow when I was, so 21. Cape Town's a cool, a very cool town. Yeah, it's a great place. Yeah. It's so were, were you involved in like the regional rugby there? Yeah, so I actually went and played for a team called Border Bulldogs. Okay. So there's quite a few of the sailed players that played there. Mike Haley, Sam James... Um, PK James Flynn okay <laughs> yeah so so yeah I played there and then I actually played this is how my opportunity for rugby actually came about I played in just like a fun little provincial sevens tournament mm. from there I played which I didn't think I played too great but I had a couple of good games in the sevens you know it's just more of a laugh for me and my mates and uh, next thing I got a text saying I'm going to the African sevens camp Mm. So I made the South African Sevens camp and I was in like the emerging Springbok Sevens team. Yeah. They played in Dubai. So we played in Dubai and after that um, my agent got hold of someone or I don't know but I met, I seen Gregor Townsend afterwards and Gregor Townsend said, oh Byron Wigan are you? We had a little chat. He said, yeah you're off to Glasgow. 
for medical. So I went and did my, my medical in um, <clears throat> at Glasgow over two, three days. Went back to South Africa, had that opportunity. Went back home, told my mom I'm leaving. <laughs> you know, because the small provincial team I played for in South Africa, we used to watch Heineken Cup and be like, oh, those teams would beat us by 70 points, 80 points. Look how good they are. And I would like sit back and be like, no. Nah. I, I had that like competitive edge where I was like, no, nah, I, I want to make that. I reckon we could beat them. So when I had that opportunity to get there, I flip and went. Ah. Yeah. I've never really thought of it like that. So back in South Africa, does South Africans look at the Heineken Cup and think, oh, yeah, that is the premium competition? There's a difference because you've got your Western Province, Lions, Sharks, um, mm. Bulls. They will think, oh, yeah, we could play there and beat these teams. Yeah. But then you get the Bulldogs. The smaller unions who are who look at the Bulls, the Stormers, the Cheetahs, the Sharks, and the Heineken Cup and be like, oh, those teams would smash us. Yeah. So you see, it's just different mindsets. Well, I tell you what, I never really rated the Cheetahs, and they're playing in the Pro 14 now, and they look bloody brilliant. Yeah, I know. They're doing very well. Um, D- does that surprise you, knowing what you know about South African rugby? Yeah, because, you know, I, th- I thought rug- it's South African rugby's going down, downhill a bit, you know, since the Springboks don't play in the Curry Cup all this chat about there's too much rugby going on mm. so they're pulling Springboks from Curry Cup games and the stadiums are becoming empty yeah. a lot of the best players are leaving but funny enough they seem to be getting results in the in the top 14 whether I think they could win yep. is a different story I don't think so but they, they seem good enough to cause upset here and there yeah it strikes me Southern Kings are a complete waste of time but actually the Cheetahs might be on something I think they've beaten Leinster at home they've beaten Ospreys at home they took Glasgow close uh, they seem like a genuinely good team but they're only playing in front of four or five people I mean there's no crowds there I know yeah there's just no one there and I don't I think that might change if they continue to win no why uh, I don't know if this African community or, or Bloemfontein where the Cheetahs play I mm. don't know if they really understand the top 14 because South Africans don't really watch that kind of rugby it's not really exposed in South Africa on, on TV mm. it's all about super rugby curry it's got cup. to be now I mean you know it's one of those things if if they do continue to win and they're beating Welsh internationals Irish internationals Scottish internationals I've got to think they're going to turn the corner and the crowds will eventually come because everyone likes to see a successful team I would like to think so personally mm. But I don't see it happening, and not for a very long time. Until you can keep your strongest players in South Africa, none of the fans want to go out and see a second-string Cheetahs team play. Yeah. Like, no no offence, because I think there's a lot of talent there. But at the same time, people want to go and watch the flipping Brian Abanners, who's not playing there anymore. <laughs> yeah. You know? The Mornay stands who's not playing, your Francois Hochart, who's not playing... Do you know what, though? It might be the perfect opportunity for South Africans already in the Celtic League structure to come back home and apply their trade back in South Africa. It could be perfect for that. I think it, it, it's gotten to a stage now where some of these guys have played a long a long time in South Africa and uh, the money and the opportunity is better, different experience for them. Mm. You know, getting out of South Africa is also quite refreshing for them, you know. It's a lot of, like instability in South Africa with, with the crime and yeah. corruption so I think it's also nice for them to just break away from that for a few years and if they enjoy it wherever they are whether it's France south of France or Ulster or Belfast wherever it is to then just experience it and make a decision Do you fancy heading back to South Africa anytime soon? If you asked me this about four years ago I would have said yes Yeah Over the last four years slowly I've been 
persuaded and like um, my head's totally changed my thoughts have changed in the sense that I'd probably want to stay not necessarily in England or Scotland or France but anywhere outside of South Africa Wow and is, I, is that because you've changed or you think South Africa's changed in those four years? South Africa's changed big time you know when I was when I was a kid I could walk play in the streets with my friends you can't do that anymore mm. you get robbed and it's just it's just really sad um, but at the same time, I was a great. I had a great childhood, mm. and I haven't had anything bad happen to me in South Africa. But at the same time, when I've got a child now and a family, I don't want to risk it. Yeah. So I was over there in February, and actually, obviously, nothing bad happened. But there was this underlying tension. You always felt that everyone was like, "Stay safe, stay safe." And why is everyone telling you to stay safe con- continually, or to watch myself? And it's a little bit unnerving, I guess. Yeah. It's. If Cape Town had no crime, and I think it would be probably one of the best cities in the world to live. But because of the, that same feeling you're talking about, that like a little bit of tension, like something could happen, that's the thing. Mm. I haven't experienced anything bad, but something could happen. It's like just waiting for something to just kick off, and it can happen at any yeah. flipping time, really. And Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Tourists don't really see that because it doesn't really happen in the touristy spots because there's a lot of policemen around and so forth. But in the poor communities just outside, there's heaps of drama. I won't yeah. get into details, but yeah. Well, I loved Cape Town because A, you can watch rugby and B, the fishing is brilliant. Fishing? Do you like fishing? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because um, it's weird, isn't it? That's It's like where the two oceans meet. Yeah. So on the one side, you've got like cold water. On the other side, you've got the hot water. And you can literally just do whatever you wish. Yeah. Did you go to Cape Point? Uh, that's is, that, that, that's the point. That's the southernmost point where the two is, oceans meet. Is that where the naval base is? That's Simonstown. Very Simon, nearby. Yes. I went to Simonstown. Yes. And went out, went out from there. No, it's lovely there. Oh, it's um, awesome. Tell you what, not very smart community. A lot of them go swimming in the mornings and a lot of them get charred by sharks. Really? Yeah. So the guys were telling me on the boat that on one side of the water, it is like it's one of the worst places in the world for, for shark attacks. Yeah. But literally you go a mile over land like to Hladidna way and there's not been a shark attack there for like 30 years and they just don't go around the corner for whatever reason Seal Island it's all about Seal Island yeah so there's Seal Island and that's obviously a big attraction for the sharks oh if I lived out in Cape Town I think I'd be going fishing most days I mean I go fishing a lot when I go back to Wales and there's not very many fish in Wales and I still do it yeah I'm a big fisherman too that's why I asked I love shark fishing though I don't eat fish so I just fish for the sport no 
But you just go fishing? Yeah. That's mental. But I fish for shark. I like like the adrenaline rush. Yeah. And I obviously, I don't, do, I don't do any harm. Say again? What have you managed to get in the past? Hammerhead, black tips, ragged teeth, ragged tooth, sorry. Um, and then just some sand sharks and that. But the main things we go for is like black tip, blue shark. Awesome. Hammerheads, yeah. So actually when I went back now, in the space between 7 a.m. and 12 in the yeah. afternoon, we had hooked onto 12 sharks. Really? Yeah. And a black tip, as soon as you hook them, they jump out the water. And about 200 meters down the beach is surfers. Oh, wow. I was wow. like, I just don't get it. I don't surf because of that, because <laughs> I fish for sharks. And I know they're right in front. To be fair, mate, I'm right with you there. Just, yeah. It just isn't going to happen. And it's crazy. But yeah, shark fishing is probably my biggest hobby. Shame that you're up in uh, Manchester then, isn't it? Oh, no, there's no sharks, basking sharks in Cornwall, but... I don't think you'll catch them, mate. No. I, th- I think they're pretty pretty protected around here. <laughs> no, I wouldn't go fishing. I wouldn't try anyway. Yeah, well, uh, probably wise. Now, we've spoke about where you're from and potential Scotland calls and all the rest of it. Did you ever encounter any parental pressure as to who you should play for or who you should support rugby-wise? Um, yeah, growing up, I supported the Springboks. And um, in Scotland, obviously... It was quite quite interesting when the Springboks played Scotland because I had yeah. my mum screaming on the right and my dad screaming <laughs> on the left, and I was kind of a neutral. But um, South Africa was was pretty pretty much where my love for the game. Who started. is the Scottish one? Your mum or your dad? My mum. Ah, okay. And your dad is uh, uh, and your dad's South African. Did he play himself? No, he didn't. No. Oh really? Yeah, he was because he was raised in Namibia, so rugby wasn't that big. He played football, mm. and. Um, but in South Africa, it's obviously the biggest sport, especially after the 95 World Cup. So everyone loved rugby. Yeah. Um, my dad began to love it. I only started playing rugby later. I was 14, turning 15. So, um, yeah, so I loved rugby through that. I used to watch the Springboks every week. Then when Springboks played Scotland, my mum would come through cheering. Uh. My mum is the proudest Scots, Scottish woman you'll ever meet. Is that right? Hang on. But you're uh, McGuigan. I- I'm guessing your dad's surname isn't McGuigan. No, it's Grace. Ah, but you've kept your you kept your mum's name. Yeah. So my my mum and dad um, were engaged, never married for 23 years. Got ya. Um, they just didn't feel the need. And back then, when you were born, you had to keep your mother's surname if you weren't married. Ah, I see. Just looping back, you you go to Glasgow. We've done that bit. How on earth do you end up then going? To New Zealand. I mean, that's a that's quite a radical departure. I assume you went to Glasgow because, you know, obviously the Scottish roots is a chance to play international rugby. Why head off to New Zealand? Um, it just excited me the fact that I could go play in in a country where rugby's so rich and um, probably well they are the best rugby nation mm. in the world. And for me, just to go there and experience it was very exciting and appealing to me. So, uh, yeah. When I got the opportunity, I thought I'd definitely take it. A lot has made a standard of New Zealand players and New Zealand coaches. D- does it actually feel like it is that much better when you're out there? In New Zealand, yeah. playing? Well, to, uh, it's a weird one because when I went there, it's just all about high risk, high reward kind of mindset. Is it? Yeah, so a lot of the games that I played in the ITM Cup would end up being like 42-38-1. Very high scoring game. They don't really worry about defence that much, you know. They they talk about it at, during the week, but they don't really. As long as you can outscore the opposition, 
so so that was different for me yeah um i did enjoy it i still enjoyed it it's i've used rugby to really travel the world and, and now that i'm slightly older now i just feel like i'm keen to settle and uh, I'm, I'm glad I experienced that. So you don't fancy a further stint somewhere else? I mean, obviously there's France to go, but now the American markets are opening up and, you know, maybe even South America. Yes, it would be cool. But it's just uh, it's just a language barrier for me now. It's uh, i got it, got the family, so... And I really enjoy the premiership. Mm. I, I think it's the greatest competition I've played in, to be honest. I think you're right. It's, it's, it's really tough. The worst team, supposedly, is actually could be the team at the top of the, the log. Yeah. Any team can beat anyone. If you don't turn up, you'll lose. Yeah, I think you're completely right there. I mean, I'm not saying for a second London Irish and or, say, Worcester are the two worst teams in, in the Premiership, but they're all bottom of the table. That said, if you go to these clubs, they're both very well set up. Worcester in particular have got really good facilities. I mean, I think they've probably got as good of facilities as anyone in the entire league. And yet here they are, another year struggling at the bottom. Yeah, but on the flip side of that, it just takes one or two wins for the confidence to be back. And for them to be out the relegation battle. Yeah, like they did last year. Yeah. And uh, talking about London Irish, I mean, they, they lost to Edinburgh the weekend. They lost quite heavily to us. But they beat Harlequins and Harlequins beat us. Yeah. So it's it's this competition's really exciting. Yeah. I th- you know, I think London Irish, um, they've got good people in place and they're building. They can, you can tell that they're building for the future. Like they've got London Irish people in there who've either played for the club or have come through the system they've got I hate this word but they've got a good culture um, I think also like the input from Brendan Venter can't, can't be underestimated yeah um, it's, it's so early to say but you'd like to think they're building because it's not nice to see them go down get come I mean, up and go I, back down I think they might go down but I think if they do they'll just come they'll just come back up stronger so I don't think it's necessarily one of those things like it's going to be a disaster. It might happen, but they'll still be further on in their progress. I think it's quite tough, isn't it? Don't you lose like sponsors and yeah. things like that? That That's the big... I, I don't really understand it, to be honest. I just think, I think it would be nice for them to stay up. Mm. Not that I want Worcester or any team to go down. I kind of wish it was just set set teams. Do you think it's very? It is quite peculiar, actually, for northern for northern northern European sports. But but do you, do you think it's odd that we all, that we operate relegation promotion because it doesn't really exist in South Africa? It certainly doesn't exist in the Pro Pro Twelve Pro Fourteen. Yeah, so I don't know whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, because at least the fact that it's relegation, mm. you always have to field your strongest teams because that's obviously always a threat. Yeah. Because if you lose and you get relegated it's going to cost you big time on the mm. flip side I don't know oh, it's, it's a tricky one it's a tricky one you know, but if you think about someone like, someone like Sale last year like say once you know you're not going to make top six or whatever it is like maybe there's an argument then that you play the Curry Boys every week and that you maybe play you know uh, some of the academy lads see what you've got further down the club let young lads develop and let the old, the old lads rest up for next season yeah it's it's I think you could you could find pros and cons either way. You look at it. I think the great thing about the premiership is you're battling for top four so you can make the semis. Mm-hmm. You're then battling for top six to make Champions Cup. If you're not battling for that, you're battling for seventh to have opportunity to make the Champions Cup. Yes. And if not, you're potentially in a relegation battle. Other than that, there's maybe one or two spots where you're in like a, a no man's land you know where you can then 
do uh you know let's play the the academy fellas coming through yeah but i mean it's a very small you know it's a very small window of opportunity you have to give to give those lads a go and i think that's that's the, that's the main problem because i reckon a lot of directors of rugby would like to see how good are the kids that they've got coming through yeah i think the good thing though is that is the lv cup though and the and the a league i don't know i think the a league maybe i don't know have you been down to the a league oh, the, um do, do you watch much of the A-League stuff? Yeah, go watch all the games. It's just not structured enough, is it? It's just, you know, there's a lot of guys in who are there on, in, on Invitational. It's very, very fast. Um, like, I, I don't know if they get enough high-quality rugby to show the coaches what, you know, what they can do. Yeah, and I think then it, it's also quite a lot of rugby mm. in a year. So whether they scrap that, I don't know. But there's still the LV... LV yeah. Cup, which which would be great for the youngsters, um, to see see who's coming through. Have you got any top tips on who you quite like coming through the Sale Academy at the moment? It's really tough. That Sale's got a got a good track record with the academy. So, um, to be honest, there's just a hand. There's a handful of players. I think Aaron Reed showing, you know, a good bit of speed and good. Is that the winger? Yeah, he's blonde, blonde fella. Yes, I've not seen him play yet, but he's uh, quite a no- quite noticeable. He's, he stands out. Yeah, yeah, he's he he looks promising. Brett Sturges, you know, looks promising. They they're still young. They're still learning. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Aaron Reed was on the bench last week. So if he manages to get on the bench again and get a game, it'll be exciting to see how he how he goes. Mm. Oh, I'll give you one, uh, Nick Dolly. Yes, yeah, he's he's a good promise. He's he's good. He's really uh, exciting for the future. Yeah. I think he's he's got a lot of gains that he's made over the last six months. Yeah, I think Sam James's brother's there somewhere. Is it, is it Luke James? Now, if he's as good as Sam, I'm 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 all for giving him some game, for, all for giving him some game time. He played the cast game in the warm up, in the warm up games away in France, and uh, I thought he went really well. Mm. So he's another one. Like I said, there's there's so many of them. Um, yeah. You you pretty hit the nail pretty much hit the nail on the head. Now, how good do you reckon this sale team is? Because you've been here a, a, you know, a couple of years now, um, and obviously you've seen the improvement from last year to this year. Now, unfortunately, you're not that much further along in terms of table position. So, where do you reckon this team can end up? What do you think they're capable of? Mm, it's it's still early early doors. I'd like to think that our goal of making top six, top four is, is still realistic. Yeah. Um, I think when we cross that exit game, we can look back because that's only one game before we get into the LV, see where we are in the table, reassess, and then try and build on that. Is the group happy with how they've gone so far? And what I mean by that is, yeah, it's been a difficult start. I think six games, two losses, uh, sorry, four losses, two wins. But are you happy with the performances? Do do you see an improvement week, week on week? I think our away form is has probably disappointed us the most I think uh, our home performances bar the Newcastle where we feel like that was a big slip up um, we put in two great performances yeah, in yeah. Irish and, and Gloucester away from home is where we, we need our consistency and need to turn up so that's that's a big work on for us as a group yeah I mean the away form hasn't been great but these are small work ons I mean a couple of bits of magic from Danny Kerr probably changed the Harlequins game and Saracens are just well they're just Saracens we saw them against Northampton yeah to be fair yeah, they did good analysis on us and uh, they did a good job on on the execution on, on those plays too so yeah I think 
that Harlequins game was a bit disappointing for us too. Mm. I think we really went there with the confidence to to go and win the game. So, just out of interest, when you do have a system found out like you did against Harlequins, how much of an upheaval is it to change that system, or does it not matter because you're always changing things for different opponents anyway? Anyway, so it's not really a big deal. No, I think we we have a system in place, and once something gets exposed, it's almost a good thing. Obviously, it's a bad yeah. thing in the in the fact that we lose points. Um, and maybe drop a few positions in the league, but at the same time, we learn things, what flaws we have in our defence, what we need to tighten up on, what we need to fix to get better and then perform um, the next time around. So, so that was a big learning for us that week after that loss. Yeah, but I guess that's just part of professional rugby anyhow. Well, for us, I think like we, we have our, our defensive system at the same time we also come in with the mentality that we can still learn and still get better. Our mm. defence can always get better. Um, when you look at the top sides who's winning the leagues, they have the best defence. Mm. So, you know, obviously it's not great being exposed um, and having to make these changes, but at the same time you'd rather make the changes so that later on in the season when you need those big wins, you can you can back your defence. Well, Byron, you've been more than generous with your time. Thank you very much. I'm wishing you all the best for the season with Sale Sharks, which have I will be watching with keen interest. But more importantly, fingers crossed that you get that call-up with Scotland. You deserve it so far. And if it's any consolation, I would have given you a call-up if it was up to me. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Oh, one last thing before you go. Is there anywhere that we can find you on Twitter or social media, that sort of thing? Yeah, I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. I'm on all the social media. There you have it. Byron McGuigan, social media mogul. Find him, ask him questions, do all the, do all the rest of the stuff. Until next week, I will see you then. Thank you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.